Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 and the Bible says by faith Abraham when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob the heirs with him of the same promise for he looked for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker is God through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Let's open this morning in a word of prayer. <coughs> Lord, Heavenly Father, we just thank you now for another new day, Lord. Um, we thank you that we can gather here safely, Lord, as a church family, as believers um, in the body of Christ, Lord, just to worship you, to sing praises to your name, and to, to hear the preaching of your word, Lord. I pray that you just um, cleanse our minds and cleanse our hearts now this morning, Lord. Help us to draw close to you and help us to understand your word and what it is you're trying to teach us this morning, God. And I pray you just... Um, Bless the rest of the day, Lord. Um, bless this message to our, to our hearts and to our Christian walk, Lord. Um, use it to strengthen us and, and develop us and enable us to be more like you, Lord. We just praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. So here in Hebrews chapter 11, you know, Hebrews chapter 11, we, 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 we're focused on faith. Hebrews chapter 11 is primarily about faith and it's like a roll call of the heroes of faith. And the, the writer starts to list off certain individuals, Noah, for example. And then we get down to verse 8 here, and it specifically talks about Abraham. In fact, several of the verses in this list is dedicated to Abraham. I think God is trying to tell us that Abraham knew a little thing or two about faith. And, you know, faith is really what Christianity is all about. You know, faith is what Christianity is. Without faith, we can't draw near to God, we can't draw near to Christ. Without faith, we cannot be saved. For the Bible says that for by grace are we saved through faith. Faith is the vehicle that brings us to God's grace. We need to have faith in God. We need to have faith in what Christ did for us. So this morning I want us to just take some time and look at faith. I want us to specifically go back through some um, moments of Abraham's life in particularly one moment. So we're going to spend our time this morning looking at a moment in Abraham's life in Genesis 22. So if you want to turn there, that's where we're going to be spending most of our time this morning. Genesis 22. And we're going to see what the Bible has to say about Abraham and his faith. And we're going to have and we're going to learn we're going to learn the truth about faith. The truth about faith. Genesis chapter 22. And the Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Let's turn that down a little bit, a little bit slightly in the back there. I'm starting to hear echoes of myself. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, here, here, here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? 
and Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told them of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his, by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering instead, in the stead of his son. So here we're looking at a point in Abraham's life where, you know, after many years of waiting for a, for a, for a seed, for a child of his own, even though both himself and Sarah were, as the Bible says, past the age of conception, they were old, they were well stricken in years, even by their standards back then, even though they, they lived longer lives, yet according to the Bible, they were still too old to have children. Sarah was barren. And they had waited and waited for many years, and it got to the point where Sarah didn't believe that it was possible anymore, and you know, at times I'd imagine that even Abraham himself thought it wasn't possible. But needless to say that God followed through. God honoured his promise to them, and Isaac came forth. They, Sarah conceived and bare Isaac, and Isaac now was the apple of Abraham's eye. Isaac was the most important thing, probably, in um, Abraham's life. And here we see at this moment in time, God is putting Abraham through a test. He's putting Abraham through a trial, a trial of faith. He wants to see just exactly... Um, you know, where Abraham's heart is. He wants to see and measure Abraham's faith. And when we read Genesis chapter 22, and especially this moment in Abraham's life, even though Abraham had many moments where his faith was tested, I think this one stands out the most to me, in my mind, to see just how far um, Abraham was willing to go to um, show his love and his faith for God. And when we read this, um, I think this really gives us some truths about what faith is, about what faith, um, about what real faith is, and how to measure our own faith in our own lives to see: Are we really faithful? Are we honest? Are we being really genuine with God? So this morning, when we're looking at these, um, when we're looking at this text, I want us to focus on the truth about faith and to look at some truths about what faith really is. The first truth that I want to look at this morning is God will test your faith. God will test your faith. Here we see Abraham being tested of God. In verse 1 there in chapter 22, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. God was testing him. Okay? He was trying him. He was trying to prove him. Just like, um, just like you would prove metal to make sure it's pure. Prove a racehorse to make sure that it is up to the, up to, um, up to the race. Here God is testing, trying and proving Abraham. Specifically, he's testing Abraham's faith. He's trying to see where Abraham's heart is. So God will test our faith. He wants to examine, he wants us to examine within ourselves, where is our first love? What are we um, loving most in life? That's what God is looking to test here. What's most important to you? What's, more what's most important to us? He wants to see, you know, he wants to measure on a scale where does God fit in? Where are we placing God in our lives? You know, how much of our heart has been consumed by God? Or how much of our heart has been consumed with someone else? What space is in, there, is, is in our hearts? And what space is set aside in our lives for God? That's what God is trying to test here. God will test our faith. You know, here... We look in verse. Um, <clears throat> we look in verse two, um, and it says, "And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest.' You know, I think God was pretty specific here when he was getting Moses to write this that he made sure that he put that in, 
whom thou lovest. He wanted to make sure, he wanted to make sure that we knew, okay, that we knew just how much Abraham loved Isaac. Okay, Isaac was loved by Abraham. He loved him so much, his only son. And yet, here, the person that Abraham loves probably the most in life, God is now requiring of Abraham. God is, God is really putting Abraham's heart to the test here. He wants to see, you know, are you willing, Abraham, to put Isaac, you know, your most treasured possession in life, are you willing to give him up for me? Are you willing to put me first? You know, if, when we look at that and we see those words, whom thou lovest, you know, God knew just how much Abraham loved Isaac. And yet, this was the part of Abraham's life that God went after the test. You see, it, it, God could have went, went after other parts of Abraham's life which were, were less important that, that Abraham had less love for. And Abraham might have been able to go through that test and pass with flying colors pretty easily because it wouldn't have been as difficult for him to sacrifice that part of his life because he didn't love it the most. But when you take something or someone that, that you love so much or you, that, that, you, that you have such a, a big part of your heart reserved for and then God wants to take that part of your life and put that on the sacrificing altar. Then we start to see and start to measure how serious we are with God. How much of our heart is really set aside for God. You know, when he, when he, when he puts our first love, you know, Jesus should be our first love, but obviously there's things in our life that we hold in very high regard. There's certain people in our lives that we hold very dear to us. And out of all the other people in the world, we love them the most. They're our most important things, right? And when God takes that, whether it be, you know, your spouses, your children, your family members or whatever, and God then asks us to put that on the sacrificing altar, how are we going to measure up then? You know, just like Abraham here, this was a tough test. When God comes after that what you love the most and demands that to be sacrificed by you, then we start to see, you know, is our fate real? God is looking to test our faith. He's looking to test our heart. He wants to see what is our real, true first love. He wants to see what's most important to us in our lives. God or something else. You know, are we willing to put God first? Are we willing to be like Abraham and to actually take the most important thing in his life, Isaac, who he loves more than anyone and more than anything, are we able to be like Abraham and put that on the sacrificing altar, put it before God and be prepared to put our hands um, off it and give it over to God? Are we willing to do that? You see, God will test our faith. We see plenty of times in the Bible different accounts of different people where God tests their faith. And God really tests their faith when it goes after what they love the most. Okay? And it's the same in our lives. You know, what, what good is a test if the test is easy to pass, right? You know, I remember in school, I wasn't very academic. You know, I wasn't very good at sitting down in the classroom. I wasn't very good at um, listening to someone tell me of how something should or shouldn't work. I was much better at learning by doing. I was much better at learning at observing and doing it myself. So I wasn't very academic. And when it came to tests, I didn't really do so well at tests. Okay, I wasn't very good at, you know, um, regurgitating information, reading loads of books, and then just spilling it out on the day. You know, I, I really, I really failed a lot of times at tests. But you know, the tests were hard for a reason, and I failed for reasons. I failed because I wasn't prepared for those tests, right? And those tests were difficult on purpose. Those tests were there to show me where I was falling short. Okay, it was it was there to show me you know, how real my knowledge was or how real my skills were. And it's the same with our faith. You know, if God's tests were easy, then would it really measure our faith? Would it really measure how faithful we are to him or what, or how we're placing him in our lives? You know, you take, you take Jesus and he's going to the cross. 
He's going to Calvary. He knows what's coming. In that last 24 hours, he is finding it very difficult as Jesus the man, Jesus the flesh. Okay, He has flesh and feelings and he's got a human heart and he feels pain and he feels fear. And he is you know, coming up to that final time. He knows his time is near and he knows he wants to do God's will, his Father's will. He knows what's at stake. He knows he needs to go to the cross. He, he knows he needs to shed his blood. He knows all of this. He is God. But that human part of him is still fearful. That human part of him is still worried about the pain and the suffering and the, um, the time that he will actually be separated from God during that time on the cross where God will pour out his wrath on top of the cross and judge sin. And yet Jesus um, you know, was pre- preparing himself to go through that tough test. That test was hard. That test, you could say, was God's final test to make sure that even Jesus, his own son, was ready to continue to go to the cross and do God's will. Most of us, I think, would have stopped at that point. You know, we might have been full gung-ho for God up at that point. We would have been going preaching for him. We would have been going around Judea, giving out the gospel just like the apostles, we've been baptizing in his name. We would have done all those things. But when it comes to the final crux of it and preparing in the last 24 hours to go to the cross to shed our blood, I think that's when the test will have revealed our lack of true faith in God. I don't think we would have been able to be like Jesus and to go forward in that final test, that final uh, strong test of Jesus' own faith. And you see, the test is there to show just how much Um, Jesus, the man, loved God the Father, loved his Father. And the tests are there to show us, you know, where is our first love? Where is our heart? What is the most important to us? And ultimately, to to ask the question, are we willing to put God first? That's what tests of faith are there for us, to show us, are we willing to put God first? And we can see here in these verses you know, this passage of scripture here in Genesis chapter 22, it's a familiar portion of scripture. We've, we've read it or should have read it plenty of times. We should be familiar with it. It's, it's in countless children's Bible stories. It's an illustration often told of Abraham sacrificing Isaac. We should be familiar with this. So we, sh- we know how it ends. We know that Abraham does actually, um, he's prepared to sacrifice Isaac. We need to take a step back and ask ourselves, would we be willing to do the same? Would we be willing to take that which we love the most and give it over to God? You know, how would we stand up in this test of faith? Would we be willing to put God first, just like Abraham? The second truth about faith that I want us to look at this morning is apart from the fact that God will test your faith. Okay, you, we, we need to make sure that we know that in our heads and our hearts. It's a surety. God will test our faith. Okay, it will come. If it hasn't happened yet, it will come. All right. In fact, it's probably happened already. It'll come again. All right. It happens several times in Abraham's life. It happens several times in David's life. Every single character here in the Bible that we have in a historical account over, more often than not, there were several times where God tested their faith. God wanted to make sure were they still were they still putting God first. Okay. So God will test their faith. Secondly, your reaction will say a lot about your faith. Your reaction will say a lot about your faith. How you react in these trials of faith will actually reveal a lot about how real our faith actually is. Let's look there in verse number 3. Okay, Verse number 3, just after God had, God had called out to Abraham and told him to take Isaac, whom he, whom he lovest, whom he lovest more than anything, and after this, we catch up in verse 3 and look what it says here. It says, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. What do we see here in verse 3? What is Abraham doing? He gets up. He rises up early. Okay, he rises up early and he gathers the materials. He gathers the other uh, two men that are going to help himself and Isaac to bring all of the materials up to the altar, to the place where God has commanded them. We see that Abraham is getting prepared. We see that Abraham is getting up and ready to go. Okay, Abraham's reaction is one of obedience. Okay, he is obeying God. He is getting 
his things in order to be able to accomplish that which God has commanded on him. He is rising up early. He is not hesitating. He is ready to go and do what God has asked of him. So we see from Abraham's reaction here, that of a positive one. That of one, a reaction which we ourselves in our lives should also strive to do the same. When God tests our faith, when God steps into our life and asks and commands of us to sacrifice that which we love the most, our reaction should be like Abraham. We should be willing to get up and go right then and there and go to it. Get busy doing what God has commanded us to do. You know, our reaction, how we respond in those tests will say a lot about our faith. You know, will we be quick to obey or will we be slow to respond? You know, sometimes when I was going into the leaving cert and doing these tests, you know, I'd often spend a lot of time just looking at the paper. Okay, you know, paper one, paper two, questions, all that kind of thing for the leaving cert. And I'd spend more time looking at all the questions that I probably didn't have a clue of how to answer. And I would just take my time uh, looking over all those questions and re-looking over those questions, hoping that the answer would somehow come to me. But what I was really doing was I was just, I was just being slow to respond to the questions laid, laid, laid in front of me. I was putting it off. I was hesitating, laying the inevitable. You know, if I had actually been prepared, I would have been quick to respond. I would have been quick to write down those answers. Here we see that Abraham was prepared. He was prepared to do what God was asking him to do. Abraham was quick and he was willing to be quick to respond and to obey that which God was asking to him, okay? He wasn't slow to respond. He wasn't dragging his heels. How often do we find ourselves in our lives dragging our heels when God asks us to do something? You know, I can put my hand up there, all right? When God asks me to do some things and I don't want to do them, I drag my heels. You know, I'm like the stubborn donkey sticking the legs in the floor or the, or the, or the young puppy, you know, that you have to pull on the leash or children, you know, kids, you know. They, they, they kick their heels in they don't want to move, you know. If only they'd have the same energy to move forward. Um, Abraham had that energy to move forward. What about us? Are we dragging our heels? Are we sticking our heels in the, in, in the mud behind us and trying to, you know, resist? You know, are we trying to resist the direction that God is trying to pull us in? You know, are we willing to yield to God's test on our lives? Or are we resisting? Are we pushing back? You know, Jonah, we, we read about Jonah four chapters and it's just all mostly about Jonah's resistance okay you don't see Jonah yielding too much to God and God's test in the faith in his life what you see is one of resistance you know Jonah rings a lot of truth in my life at times I resist quite a lot I'm quite stubborn at times and I do resist um you know yielding doesn't come naturally to me you know I was always fighting back in school and fighting back at work you know authority didn't sit well with me um, it's a struggle you know and not you know not everyone's like me but there's a lot of people like me and you probably struggle you probably struggle with doing what God wants you to do especially when it's something that you don't want to do all right we become like the little children sticking our sticking our heels in the mud we, we don't want to go and our reaction is one of resistance as opposed to yielding you know God wants us to yield and to follow him yet we want to resist and push back okay you know our reaction will say a lot about our faith you know is the first thought is our first thought in times of trials and tests and tribulations of our faith is our first thought that of obedience or that of hesitation you know what's what's the first thing that comes into our mind is it that we are we want to obey God and we want to move forward or is the first thought into our head no I don't want to do that you know are are we, are we hesitating or are we willing to just be like Abraham and get up and go obey do what God is asking us, asking us to do you know when, when God brings a trial of faith into our lives what questions are we asking in our heads in our hearts in our souls is it what next you know what next, God? Where do you want me to go next? I've got the stuff together. I've, I've, I've gathered the stuff, just like Abraham. I've, I've gathered the wood. I've got the materials. I've got the men here to bring it with me. I've got the ass to carry the materials. What's next, God? Show me what next to do. Is that the question that's coming into our minds? Or is it, why? 
Why God? Why do I have to do this? Why do you want me to do that? Why do you want me to sacrifice Isaac? You know how much I love him, God, but why? Why, why, why? Is that the questions that are coming to our heads? Isn't that what we find ourselves doing so often? We question why. We question God. Why do I have to do this? Why do I got to go there? Why do you want me to, to, to give this over to you? Instead of going, what next? I don't need to understand the why, God. I just need you to lead me. I just need you to tell me what next. All right, you've already told me the first step, and I've taken that, now what's next? We see that through the lives of so many people that were called out here in Hebrews 11 in the, in the, in the roll call of the heroes of faith. That's, what, that's the reaction that they had, the response in their lives most often was that question of, what next, God? You've got my attention, what next? As opposed to sometimes with our lives today where we go, Why? Why? Why do I have to do this, God? Why do you want me to do this? Is that, the, is that the thought and mind process that we have today? Would it not be better to have the thought process of what next? Wouldn't that be a much better question to throw to God in these times of trials as opposed to questioning why? Why, why bring this trial into my life? You know, We should just be willing to yield, to be quick to obey and to be asking God the right questions. What next? What do you want me to do next, God? as opposed to questioning the why. You know, our, rea- our reactions and how we respond to these trials, these tough times in our life that God puts into us, into our lives, will say a lot about our faith, how real it is. Look at Peter. Peter was, Peter was gung-ho for Jesus. All right? Peter was... When, when Judas was betraying, was betraying Jesus, uh, Jesus and Judas was bringing the Roman um, soldiers into the Garden of Gethsemane. And the trap was laying waste and laying store for Jesus. And when Judas was going to kiss Jesus to reveal to the Roman soldiers who Jesus was, the first person to stand up and run to Jesus' defense was Peter. All right? Didn't Peter drew his sword and slice off the Roman's ear? You know, he couldn't question Peter as a friend at that moment in time. You know, he's willing to put his to put his all on the line against the Roman soldiers. Now, I, I don't know how much thinking Peter was doing. You know, the, the Roman soldiers would have easily killed him. They were trained soldiers. Peter was a fisherman. I'm sure he had a lucky swing. He was probably aiming for their head and, you know, caught him on the ear. But needless to say, he was willing to do that. Now, if you ever, if you ever read through that, you know, I've always found myself asking, you know, why did Peter do that? You know, why was Peter willing to um, put himself on the line for Jesus? It's because at that moment in time, I believe that Peter had a full faith in Jesus. But I think he had a full faith in the wrong idea of Jesus. You see, like many of the Jews, and especially the apostles that spent time with Jesus at that time, a lot of them weren't clued into what was going on. They were still looking for the Messiah that has been prophesied in the Old Testament where the Messiah would come and liberate them with, with a ruling fist, with a sword, and kill, their enemy, and kill the enemies of, of Israel. And, um, you know, that king, that picture of Jesus, that's who Peter had faith in. But when Jesus was then willing to just allow himself to be taken by the Roman soldiers and just to not put up a fight and allow himself to be taken, I think that changed... Peter's perception of Jesus. That's when the reality of the situation started to settle in for Peter. And, you know, Jesus had already prophesied to Peter before that time, saying that, you know, soon, you know, you will deny me three times, Peter. And Peter was like, no, I won't deny you. I've got faith in you. But he could see his heart and he knew what was going to happen. And I think, I believe, when Jesus looked in his heart, what he saw was Peter had faith in Jesus. But he had faith in the wrong idea of Jesus, I think, at this moment in time. And Peter was placing his faith in Jesus, the king, not Jesus, the person that was willing to sacrifice himself for the sins of the world. And when that fake idea of faith, or that misplaced faith of Peter was, was brought, to, brought to light, then when Peter was outside, um, uh, outside um, where they were trying Jesus and where he's getting asked questions, that's when he started to deny Jesus, right? Because his faith wasn't real. His faith was in the wrong idea of Jesus at that moment in time. 
And it wasn't until that time after that, when he had denied him, he got guilty, of course. But then we know what happened, right? Peter's real faith kicked in. He was, his real faith was restored, and he actually put faith in Jesus, the Savior. Right? And that's when you saw Peter go from strength to strength, because his faith was in the right Jesus, the right idea of Jesus. That's the faith, that's, that's the Jesus that we're supposed to be putting our faith in, the Jesus who died for the sins of the world, the, the person that was humble, the person that was meek, the person that was willing to allow himself to be slain for our transgressions. And, you know, in that moment in time, we could see from Peter's reaction, you know, where his faith really was. You know, if he had really, truly believed in Jesus, the Savior at that moment in time, that Jesus was going to the cross to die for Peter, if he had truly believed that, and if that, was the, if that was the idea of Jesus that he was putting his trust in, I think Peter wouldn't have denied Jesus. You know, I think Peter would have actually totally proclaimed um, to those around him, saying, yes, I know him, he's my Savior. He's going to, you know, he's going to the cross to die for me. So we can see a lot from Peter's reaction about his faith, all right? And it's the same throughout our own lives. You know, sometimes we find that we trust something. And yet, when the test comes, and when the light starts shining on it, and starts dissecting it with a, with a microscope, it then starts to unravel, right? You know, it starts to unravel, and we find out that our, what we thought we were trusting in, and what our fate really was, wasn't what we really thought it was. And that's um, that's what the test is for. The test is to test our faith, is to show where our first love is, what's most important to us. You know, are we willing to put God first? But when, we, when those tests come, it's there. It's to, it's to see how we're going to react. And the reaction is more for our benefit than God's benefit. God already knows. Right? He wants us to see, are we really putting our faith in him? Or do we think we're putting our faith in him? You know, how real is our faith? Our reaction will say a lot about our faith. You know, the third truthful faith that we see here is your faith is real. Your faith is only ever real when you fully trust in God. We see there in verse 4, we continue on. and The Bible says, And then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood, um, took the wood of the burnt offering, and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand, and a knife, and they both went, both of them, uh, they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father, and he said, Hear him, I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they, they came to the place which God had told them of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. And bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. So we see here, we see the test that God has brought into Abraham's life. We see that God was putting Abraham's real love on the line here, trying to show Abraham, trying to reveal to Abraham did he really love God or was he putting Isaac above God in his life. We see Abraham's reaction here. You know, we, we see that Abraham got up. He was quick to respond. He was quick to obey. He was willing to do what God wants him to do. He was asking God, what next? God told him to go here and that's what Abraham was doing. Abraham went there and did exactly what he was told to do. And then he was waiting to find out what next. He was waiting to see what next. Of course, God wasn't talking to him yet. So he kept going. He kept going. He kept doing what God wanted him to do. Right up to the point here in verse 10 where he literally took the knife and he was fully committed to driving that knife into Isaac's chest. To kill Isaac. Because that is what God commanded of him. That's what God required of him. And we could see that Abraham was fully committed here. You know, he was fully ready to plunge that knife into Isaac. You know, when we look at this, we can't but see Abraham's commitment. Okay, we cannot question that Abraham wasn't fully committed to God at this point. He was ready to slay Isaac. You know, and we can see from here that Abraham's fate was real. You know, Abraham's fate was real. 
you know, he could not be a faker. He could not be a pretender. You know, if he was, if he was going through life pretending to be, you know, following God, this moment in this moment in time in his life would have definitely revealed that. Okay, it would have revealed that false pretense. It would have revealed that falseness. You know, at this moment in time, if there was any time that a faker and a pretender would come to the forefront, this this would be the moment. Okay, this was showing that his faith was real. And his faith was real because he fully trusted God. Look at what he said to Isaac. When Isaac questioned Abraham, you know, Daddy, you bought the stuff for the sacrifice. You know, we've done this many times. You've taught me about God and sacrificing to God and spilling the lamb, uh, the blood of the lamb. You know, I, I know what to expect here, but where is the offering? Right, we've got all the wood, we've got the fire, you know, we've got the altar. Where, where's the thing we're going to kill? Right? Where, where's the thing we're going to burn here? You know, and Isaac's looking around trying to find this. You know, and Abraham just, you know, he wasn't lying to him. Abraham was fully believing God and said, God will provide. God will provide a lamb or a, a ram. And you know, we don't know the exact thing about Abraham's heart at this time. We weren't there. You know, I can only guess. You mean maybe it was a small, tiny inkling of Abraham that was hoping. That God would bring the lamb, all right? But isn't that what faith is? Hoping in God, trusting in God that we haven't seen, but we're still putting our trust in Him. You know, trusting in God's plan, even though we don't know always know the destination. Isn't that what faith really is? It's a hope in God. This is what Abraham was doing. He was he was hoping and he was trusting that God would provide a lamb, and that's what he told Isaac. And we can see here that his faith was real because he fully trusts in God. And, you know, you can only worship God during the trial if you fully trust him. You know, in, in, in verse, in verse um, 5 there, he tells the, he tells the young men to, to, to abide there with the ass while, while himself and Isaac go yonder and worship. So Abraham already knows he's going up to sacrifice Isaac and yet he calls it worship. Right? He calls it worship. Because he's fully trusting God. You know, when we go through trials in our life, it's very hard to worship in that moment if we're not fully trusting God. Alright? You know, if we don't fully trust God in that difficult time, I guarantee you our heart and our mindset will not be one of worshipping God. You know, we'll be questioning why. Why God? Why me? Why bring this difficult thing into my life? You know, you can see the, the, the change of mindset between someone that's fully trusting in God versus someone that's not fully trusting in God. And when you look around and you might know people in your lives or you might have come across people in your lives that are going through, that either have went through some difficult times or that are currently going through difficult times. I know there's people in this church that are going through some difficult times and yet you still see a smile on their face all the time. You've got you to gotta, you gotta look at, you know, understand why are they smiling? How can they be smiling? It's because they fully trust God. All right. You know, if they didn't fully trust God, smiling wouldn't be so easy. It wouldn't be so easy to continue to worship God through that trial if you didn't fully trust Him. You might be able to see the destination of where it's going or how it's going to turn out, but you know that God's in control and God's going to get you there one way or the other. And you can see that you know if if, if you're not fully trusting in God, uh, you're definitely not going to be able to worship Him in the trial. That's for sure. And real trust. Is when you follow God, even though you can't see the destination. All right, you know, you know, God is asking you get him, get on board a train and uh, just get on the train, and you know, He's in control. He's driving that train, and He's not going to tell you exactly the destination all the time. He's just saying, I'm driving the train, and if you want to come with me, then then go. Isn't that what Jesus told the apostles? Come with me, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't tell them how. He didn't tell them where we're going, what we're doing. He didn't reveal all to them. You know. Uh, it's going to be a rough road in the next three and a half years. We're not going to have lovely accommodation to be staying in when we're on the road. You know, um, accommodation in those days probably weren't great anyway. And that was for a rich person. You know, that was for someone that had a bit of money in Israel. You know, for guys on the road, your accommodation was the road for the most part, unless there was someone nice to take you in. Um, certainly, probably not like the deputation that Andrew and Jennifer and Dan was on these days in the states. You know, you get the, some churches are nice enough to bring you in, right? Give you bed and bread and breakfast, bed and board. Uh, the apostles didn't have that, and Jesus didn't tell him that when he told them, "Follow me." He just said, "If you want to come with me, we're going. This is where I'm going." So that was the train that God wanted them to board. Yet He never told them the destination. 
but yet they dropped everything and went anyway. You know, the Bible says that the apostles, Peter, um, you know, dropped everything. You know, they had families. You know, they had families, they, they were workers, they had jobs, you know, they were fishermen, that was their livelihoods, and they dropped it all and went. You know, for those three and a half years, it was almost like, you know, they put, they put the rest of their life on hold so that they could follow Jesus. And bit by bit, when they were following him, they learned more, and obviously, you know, God revealed a lot to them. But each time they were following, they were following Jesus, they were still just following Jesus. They didn't really know where they were going to end up. They couldn't see three and a half years down the road. Okay, and quite often in our lives, that is the same. That's the way God works. God tells us to follow him, but we, he doesn't often tell us this is where we're going to be in three and a half years. Right? You keep following me and you'll end up here. He just says, follow me, and I'll, I'll take care of the destination. You just make sure you're up on, on board that train. And we need to make sure that just like Abraham here, our, our trust is real and you know, if we have real trust in him, then we follow God even though, even though we don't know where we're going. You know, you know imagine, imagine getting on a plane or a train and not knowing where you're going. You know, just taking a risk and just buying a ticket and going. You know, that's what Christianity is. We're following God to wherever he wants us to go. And we don't often know where it is that he wants to bring us at the time when he tells us, follow him. You know, we, we can have full assurance in him and we know that he'll take care of us. But, you know, if we don't um, fully trust that he'll get us there, or, f- you know, if, if we are expecting to know the destination before we follow him, then our trust isn't real, right? We're not fully trusting him. We need to be fully committed and fully ready to just follow him, to step in, to throw ourselves into him, and just go wherever he wants to go, even though he hasn't told us where it is that we're going. We need to be like Abraham here. We need to have a faith. So your faith is real when you fully trust in God. So we see that God will test our faith. Okay, This is a surety. This will happen. Um, it should not come as a surprise in the life of the Christian. If it hasn't happened, yes, it will happen. Or maybe it has happened and it might, happen, it might or probably will happen again. As long as we're alive, I think it will happen. God will continue to test our faith to make sure that, our, that there's a nice big chunk of our heart reserved just for Him. He wants to see what we're loving the most. He wants to see you know, are we putting him as, as our first love or are we putting something else in his, in his place? You know, he wants to see, is God the most important thing in our lives? Is he the most important person to us or are we putting someone else in his place? Are we willing to put God first? And, you know, along with the test of faith, this, to, to see these things, to reveal these things, you know, we need to be watching our reaction, how we're responding to that test of faith. And we need to make sure that, you know, it, it's a real faith that, are, that we're fully trusting in God. And finally, the last truth that we see here um, from this passage of Scripture about faith is that real faith is always awarded by God. You know, it's always rewarded by God. Um, you know, God would not leave us hanging. We see here, look, 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 look at verse 11 and we'll see what happened just after the moment when Abraham uh, stretched forth his hand and took the knife ready to slay Isaac. And in verse 11 it says, And the angel of the Lord called out unto, unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, the angel speaking, Lay not thine hand upon the land, neither thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. From me. So the angel of the Lord here was clearly God, because he talked himself in the first person. And the angel here steps in and stops Abraham from plunging that knife straight into Isaac. All right, just at the moment where he knew that Abraham's faith was real, that he was fully committed, fully trusting in God, God stepped in and you know, made sure that um, Abraham would not go forward because he was fully committed to going forward with this. He was going to see this truth to the end. But he, he stopped him. He stopped him and he told Abraham in verse 13... Um, you know, he told him to stop. And then in verse 13 it says, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering instead. Here we see God rewarding Abraham's faith, his genuine, fully committed, fully trusting faith. Just like he had um, told Isaac when they were going up to get the altar ready, and getting everything in place, and Isaac had questioned him, where is the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide. 
Here it is, God did provide. God provided and rewarded Abraham's faith because Abraham was fully trusting and fully committed to doing what God was asking him to do. When God asked, when, when God commanded Abraham to sacrifice that which he loved most, being Isaac, and Abraham was fully committed and ready to do that, this is when God stepped in and rewarded Abraham's faith. Um, you know, God loves it when we love him first. All right? that, that is the message that I think we, we see from here. That when we put God first, when we love him more, just like he loved God more than he loved Isaac, when, when we get to that place, I don't know if I'm there yet, but when we get to that place, that's what God really wants. Okay? That's what God desires, for us to love him um, first. You know, God is pleased by our obedience. You know, just like any parent is pleased when their children obey, you know, um, that's what God wants to see in our lives. He wants, to see, he wants to see us being like obedient children, just being quick to obey and ready to do um, what it is that he's asking us to do. And you know, if we are real with God, then God will be real with us. And we, we read, in, 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 and we started off in Hebrews chapter 11, with, Abra- with Abraham being mentioned and referenced, and it, it mentioned that, you know, um, you know, Abraham had done several things throughout his life in faith towards God. When God told him to go into a strange land, he did that. When God told him to, um, when God told him that, that Sarah would conceive, that happened, right, and he believed God. When Abraham told him to sacrifice Isaac and he did that, um, uh, you know, God could see that I was real and, and we see that as well. And because of that, in the last verse in Hebrews chapter 11, we see that God then blessed Abraham and that he would be the father of many nations and that he would have descendants that are so innumerable um, that it would be like the sand in a seashore. You just couldn't count them all. all right? That was Abraham's reward for his faith throughout his entire life. That's where Abraham's life was leading to, to be the father of many nations, that he, that he would have descendants more, greater in number, immeasurable, just like the sand on a seashore. And, you know, God will always reward us when our faith is real. You know, now I can't tell you what that reward would be. We can't, we, we don't know what God's going to give us, but we know he's going to do something for us. He's going to give us something. You know, the Bible mentions about crowns for sowers, crowns for different things. You know, we're going to have crowns to cast his feet. There's always a reward. Not just in heaven, with heavenly rewards, which there would be plenty of, but there's rewards in this life. You know, God will bless us. You know, how and with what? It's not for me to say. Right? That's between God and you. And when he'll do it and how he does it, it's up to him in his time. But he will do it. God will reward, reward us in his time and according to his will. But only when our faith is real. Why, would we, why should we expect to get rewarded for something that we're not being genuine about? That we're not putting the effort in, you know? It's like everything else in life. You only get out what you put in. And if we want to get things back from God, if we want God to really bless us in our lives, we need to be putting it in, right? We need to be putting that effort in. We need to be having a real faith and a real trust in God. So we see here, just like Abraham, Abraham's, test, Abraham's faith was tested. and was t- It was tested in the most difficult way possible by going after what he loved the most. We see that Abraham reacted in a good way. You know, Abraham was quick to uh, obey. He was quick to respond. He wasn't, he wasn't slow and, and resisting and dragging his heels, but he was actually yielding to God's will in his life. You know, we could see um, that, um, that, his, that, his, that his faith was real. It was measurable. It was tangible. It was real because um, of, of his reaction, of, 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 of how he responded in that, in, in, in that instance. And we could see that his faith was then rewarded because it was real and you know to close this morning you know there's just some questions um you know that that got me thinking and i think it's questions that we 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 all need to think ourselves you know what consumes the most space in our heart is it god or is it something else you know if we were to dissect our own hearts and put it out on the table and you know break it up like into a pie chart you know pie charts see what kind of quadrants make up that pie chart which takes up the most space or the most ratio would God be taking up the most space of our heart or would he have a small section of that pie you know is there something else that's bigger than him because the fact of the matter is is that if we're fully trusting in God and we're fully Mm -hmm. following him 
then he should be the biggest part of our heart. And everything else, is, as important as it might be in our lives, should still be a significantly smaller part in our heart compared to God. So what consumes the most space in our heart? You know, it should be God, but there are questions we need to ask ourselves. You know, how do you react to God's tests in your life? You know, how, you look in the mirror, how are we reacting? Are we like Abraham and being quick to respond and, and quick to obey? Or are we kind of like Jonah and, you know, really resisting, really dragging our feet and resisting to go um, forward? You know, how are we reacting? Um, are, are we fully committed to following through and doing what God has asked us to do, as difficult as it might be? Or are we, are we pushing it aside? Are we, are, we, are, we, are, we, are we pushing him back and trying to step away from that, that test? You know, do you trust God even though you can't see the destination of the outcome. And I think that's where faith is really measured. You know, when you don't know what's happening, when you don't know how it's going to end up, when you have to take your hands off the wheel and trust that it's going, that it's going to get you there, safely and soundly, you know, do you trust God? Do you really, really trust Him to get you there, even though you don't know how you're going to get there or where, or where you're going? You know, that, that is a real measure of, of, of faith, of real faith. You know, are you going to be real with God, like Abraham was, or are we going to be pretenders and, and, and false? Are we going to be fake? You know, there was many fake disciples in Jesus' time. The Bible says there was many people following Jesus. And as soon as the times got tough and the food stopped flowing, those disciples went running. All right, they... They were not real. They were fake. And the tests, when things started to become a bit more difficult for the disciples of Jesus, you know, when, when it wasn't all the great celebration party and the, the big celebration event and everyone gathering in the big crowds to Jesus, but things were dangerous and the Romans were there and the knives and the, and the swords were out, then you saw people running. You saw people scattering, didn't we? There was a lot of falseness there at that time. And there's a lot of falseness today too. We need to make sure that we're looking in the mirror and finding out, asking ourselves, are we real with God or are we being pretenders? Um, because the tests that God will bring in our lives, that will reveal it to us. It will reveal, are we real or are we pretending? All right. Let's close in a word of prayer.